When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, how are you doing? How's your quarantine doing? How's your pandemic doing? How's your civil unrest doing? I hope you guys are staying safe here. Um, welcome to our brand new Geekscape. I've got comedian Ed Greer joining me here in a bit. A longtime friend. He does the Nerd Goat podcast. Super nerdy guy. Does tons of stand-up all over Los Angeles, and I've known him for years. I think he's been on the show. We've definitely done podcasts together. Uh, and I have nothing but a ton of respect for the guy, and you're going to find him hilarious. So if you want that pop culture talk, uh, definitely hang on. I want to talk a little bit about some of the things I said opening up on Monday's show about how I think we have to disconnect a little bit uh, between the comfort of feeling like the events that are going on around us is like being in a movie. Remember, the days after 9-11, I thought, oh, man, it was like being in a movie. That was our frame of reference when we see people suffering in Katrina or currently. Oh, God, it's playing out like a movie. But that is representative of the comfort that we live in, that we can just look at these things, these events that are literally taking people's lives and destroying people's homes and their property and thinking, oh, man, it's playing out like a movie. Think about the comfort and the privilege that we have in thinking that these big events that are scary and huge and life ending for a lot of people is like a movie. That's our comfort. So let's talk a little bit about comfort and discomfort. You guys know I love basketball and I need you guys to listen to this and I need you guys to even face a bit of discomfort in yourself. As Hawks coach Lloyd Pierce says, our ability to fix this is only going to work to the extent of the most uncomfortable person the person who switches things off. So if you just turned this off, and I won't know who you are because you just turned this off, um, maybe that's you. Maybe you're the person who's like, I don't want to deal with this right now. I didn't turn on Geekscape to deal with social problems. If this makes you uncomfortable and you turn this off, the ability for us to fix this problem is only going to go to the extent of you. You have to exist in this discomfort. And I'm sorry to inconvenience you, but for someone like myself who's half Mexican, half white, but really perceived as white, I've been privileged to not have the discomfort of feeling like I'm going to die every time I step out of my door or get pulled over by the cops or that someone's looking at me because they're thinking about whether or not to cross the street. 
there are people in this country that live with discomfort all the time. And we've actually grown comfortable with it because, well, it happens to other people. Or when the events happen to other people, you know, it's like, shit, we, it's like being in a movie. It's like something I saw in a movie. And that disconnect is our privilege. And there's something I want to tell you guys. And it's something I put up on my Facebook page. And there were a bunch of people being like, well, I don't get this. Or they just downright, downright fought it. But I'm going to tell it to you like this. I'm as white as I am Mexican. And I want to tell you that racism is a white problem. I don't think I've ever heard anybody yelling black supremacy, Mexican supremacy, Asian supremacy. Nobody goes, hey, black supremacy. It's white supremacy. And that's just what the responsibility is when you're in the driver's seat. When you get to reap the profits of a system that you've built for yourself, right? We need to not take it personally. I know. The knee-jerk, taking it personally response would be like, oh, wait, but I've experienced racism from other races. <laughs> okay. What were the things that led to that reaction towards you? What are their lives like that led to a place where they could throw racism at you? Remember, we're the homeowners here. This is our country. It is white supremacy. So racism is a white problem. And the comments are open if you guys want to throw comments on this one. But we need to not pass the buck and say, yeah, but uh, other other cultures and, 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 and other people, they have racism too. Are they in charge? I don't know how else to say this, but think about... Um, how we just need to not take it personally and we need to listen for once. Because again, correcting this mistake is only going to go as far as the most uncomfortable person in the room. That's the person who's going to turn it off and they're going to continue with their closed-mindedness right down the road. And they're just going to need to learn the lesson later on. So let's learn the lesson now. Let's sit in our discomfort as others have sat in discomfort their entire freaking lives. And let's own it. How can I phrase this for you guys? easier. Um, okay, let, 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 let's think about how our own blindness <laughs> has maybe led to me being racist. I'm sitting here trying to say some woke shit to you guys, and I have to acknowledge that I have racism. And this is how it happens, okay? You guys ever see that show Hoarders, where the old person owns the house, and the house is like full of old newspapers and magazines and cat shit. <laughs> and this house is nasty, right? And as an outsider, seeing this old person on hoarders, you're like, that house is disgusting. How do they live like that? But they're like, well, this is all my stuff. This is my house. I don't know any better. And I like it. And I've got everything I need right here. Even though you have to like climb over a mountain of trash to get to the bathroom. Or you've only given yourself like a little corner uh, in the kitchen, what's left of it, to... Uh, watch TV. You're living in filth and you've allowed your house to start rotting to the point where the rats that you've allowed to start living in your house, you don't even know where they are because you have so much trash in your house. We're talking about hoarders here. Have you seen the show hoarders? The rats have now infected the entire neighborhood and the neighborhood hates you. And yeah, you may not think that you're racist because your neighbors are Latino or Asian or black. You live in a pretty diverse neighborhood. But the problem is you're the hoarder who owns the house and your rats have infected the entire neighborhood and they hate you about it. They hate, they're like, we got to get you out of the neighborhood. You are the problem. 
But you're like, no, I keep everything within my property and people are welcome in my home and this is my stuff. And yeah, okay, so I, I let cousin Randy move in back and he's got swastika tattoos. But I mean, he makes a mean hamburger and you don't want to piss him off too bad because he owns guns. Well, we let Randy come in and live here for a long time. And yeah, when there's a neighborhood cookout, maybe he covers up the Nazi tattoos and does cook a mean hamburger. And it's gotten to the point where we actually elected a homeowners association president who loves Randy. And he doesn't mind your house infecting the entire neighborhood. He's going to let you off the hook for how disgusting your house has gotten and how it's really creating property damage for others. And as the whole neighborhood goes downhill, this homeowners association head who you elected is like, you know what? I don't think Randy's such a bad guy. He makes a mean burger. And yeah, he owns guns, but he also doesn't play his kid rock too loud. And Kid Rock's kind of tight. That's the guy making sure that you get to keep things the way that you have it. It's a problem. The house has to get cleaned out. The shit has to get thrown away. You're living in filth that you created, that you've lived among for a long time. And you know what? If you've seen Poltergeist, here's a little spoiler warning. We built this shit on an Indian burial ground. You don't build houses on Indian burial grounds, but this whole damn country was built on an Indian burial ground. It didn't work out so well in Poltergeist. How do you clean it out? Well, first off, you don't take it personally. When people come in and say, hey, you're a hoarder. We need to clean your house up. You don't go, no, that's mine. You have to listen. You have to accept that you have a problem. And you have to accept that you have a, a blindness. You can't see it because you've lived amongst it for so long. Listen to other people. Listen to the people in your neighborhood who are affected by this infection who are affected by the rats coming out of your nasty house and making their dog sick or biting their kids or tearing up their yards or chewing through their homes. Listen to your neighbors. Listen to the people who are affected by this privileged life you live where you don't have to listen to anybody. And again, don't take it so personally. It's a white problem. It's okay. We're the ones in the driver's seat. We're the ones who profited off this system. And we're the ones who have to be present and engaged in part of cleaning this house. If you ever watch Hoarders, they don't send the people away and then clean their house and they come back and they're like, oh, it's a makeover. It's fixed. No, the homeowner has to be a part of cleaning that house because they have to acknowledge the problem. They have to learn what happened over the course of years, decades that made them blind to this issue. So that once the house is cleaned and you can have those cookouts, Randy's probably got to go with the swastika tattoos. You don't recreate that system again. We, you, me, anybody who's profited off of this fucked up hoarder's ass system that we've set up over centuries have to be present in the fixing. We have to be active of it and we got to own it. Okay. I don't know if you've seen hoarders. I think it's on Netflix. I know Heidi's been watching it. <laughs> so that shit's pretty nasty. But we're living in a hoarder situation. We can't ignore it. Okay? I love you guys. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Let's get Geekscape started. I love you guys so much. I do. And that means we got to fix this problem together. And I want to start this dialogue. I want you guys to be a part of it. Because, again, the 
problem is only going to go as far as the person who's most comfortable and turns it off. I need us all to listen. I need us all to be a part of it. Coming to you, of course, from the Dweeb Darling Studio. This is Geekscape. And I say the Dweeb Darling Studio because this is Heidi's bedroom, which is where I do the show during the pandemic. Uh, thank you, Heidi. Love you, Heidi. And um, thank you for letting me squat in your uh, room and do Geekscape. All right, Geekscape, let's get some stuff going. My buddy Ed Greer is here. Uh, I've introduced him. You may have seen him on Comedy Central, or if you live here in LA, you may have seen him at a, a local comedy club or something. But here is Ed Greer. You can follow on Instagram or Twitter at Ed Greer Destroys. And this right here is the man himself. Comedian Ed Greer, how are you doing, buddy? Oh, man, you're making me want to clean out my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been doing that. I've been slowly moving in with Heidi, but... Um, that means I'm leaving my place in Sherman Oaks and moving all that stuff to to like I, I don't know on, on the Instagram in my story you may have seen the fact that like I finally consolidated all my comic book boxes together in my storage unit where I'm moving a lot of the stuff and transitioning mm. it. Seventy short boxes packed. Ugh. I've got more than the local comic book stores. Well, Dude. especially now after the looting of Golden Apple. But yes, I have more than the local. Oh. Oh yeah, gosh. no. The, the Golden Sorry. Apple got looted. That's news. Golden to me, Apple right? got looted, and Heidi Ho got looted. Yeah. Oh man, it's um, it's affecting everyone, and uh, and I don't know. That's just what I said earlier. Is like, you gotta act like the you know you can't pretend this isn't affecting you because it's affecting everyone. So it's affecting you. It's only a, a matter of time before the rats from cousin Randy and his racist hoarder homeowner end up in your neighborhood in your lawn. Well, it's so. so funny you were talking about uh, how we always, as geeks, we have the shorthand of being able to liken it to movies and stuff like that. And you even likened it to a television show. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is uh, your mind starts racing for my mind, unfortunately, due to maybe respectability politics and social responsibility that I feel, you know, to not be, um, I can't froth at the mouth. I feel like my position is I have to be a cool head and say the right things because it it doesn't help if i just get on and scream you know what i mean and it hasn't been heard so nobody wants to get on and scream about this stuff but i was thinking of like a really cutesy metaphor my damn self about this stuff and it's it's the bumpus's dogs that's what all this racist crap is it's the bumpus's dogs the bumpuses who sat who are right next to the people in the christmas story they let their dogs run wild. Their dogs would run into somebody's house and eat their turkey on Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. The Christmas story, You're right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it took like, me a while to remember it, but I do remember that scene. Right, right. So that's kind of what all these uh, good people on both sides and all this language is. It's the Bumpus's dogs. The Bumpus's dogs don't bother the Bumpus's because all they do is open the door and the Bumpus's dogs run out into the neighborhood and cause terror. And then they open the door at the end of the night and they've already peed and crapped all over the neighborhood and torn up everything and eaten everybody's turkeys and they come back inside. Right. And that's that's the po the police to a great degree have been a lot of white people's Bumpus's dogs mm -hmm. for years. And I think it's finally time to recognize that it's time to curb your dog because uh, the as political as I'll get on here is uh, – I, I put up a tweet and it was like the uh, the the protect white supremacy at all cost call is coming in from inside the police house. Right. <laughs> right. Like it's coming from within the house. Right. It, yeah. it, the, the no, white supremacists. And I must really make this clear. Like I said, I just want to get this over with. White supremacists didn't infiltrate the police. 
the police in this country started as slave catchers and bounty hunters and stuff and grew into a mafia that protects rich people's things. Let's get it really, let's get it really right. Uh, so I just think uh, it's time for us as a country, and I do say us because I am part of this country, and it's us. It's time for us as a country to address the fact that the Bumpus's dogs are eating people's turkeys, choking people out, beating people's ass, murdering people, and right now the Bumpuses are biting people with rubber bullets to the dome that are just going, hey, curb your dog. And they weren't it, even trained to do that. You're supposed to shoot rubber bullets towards your mm -hmm. feet. It's mm -hmm. supposed to bounce into you. And people mm -hmm. are losing their eyesight because their eyes are getting shot out with rubber bullets. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and it's just one of those things where, again, when you give an attack dog carte blanche to only, you know, don't bite the throat, but bite everywhere else from the groin to the neck. They're going to bite all those places, you know, right. if they're trained to attack. And that's another thing you cannot. Uh, uh, the loyal guard dog that just sort of sits, doesn't bark, doesn't do anything. It just protects your house. That's what like people would like to think the police are. They would love to think that they're just a loyal guard dog. They sit in silence. They work in, in dutiful, you know, uh, uh, dutiful patrols, protecting your stuff, and they're just fine. They're not just sitting in your yard, keeping your stuff safe. They're venturing into other people's yards and fucking their shit up. Mm -hmm. And you have to acknowledge that and understand that that's happening and do something about it. And like you said, it's not that white people are the only people that have to participate. It is that if white people do not participate in dismantling the militaristic police state, it will not get done. Everybody else can hold hands and sing Kumbaya and march to their feet bleed. But it is the white people. And I said before we got on the air, ever since about 1895, we've been trying to sell each other. We in this country, again, I am part of this country. And we as a country have been trying to sell ourselves on this is the last generation of racist white people. We've been trying to sell ourselves on that notion since 1895. Straight up. All the way up to right now, we've been trying to oh, every 10 years we think those are the last of the white people that are racist. We got a black president. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, dude, when Nat King Cole got on Colgate ads in the 30s or 40s or whatever, they thought racism was over. So let's really put it in perspective. <laughs> you know what I mean? When, when OJ was jumping, running for a Hertz car in the mm -hmm. 70s commercials, they thought racism was over. You know what I mean? This is a long, you know what I'm saying? History runs slow. I've always said I really wished that people were were not necessarily immortal, but if people could live about three or 400 years, maybe even about two, because you live your first 20 years of life being probably pretty liberal, not really caring about too much stuff unless you're indoctrinated in some kind of way. Then you get a little property and you start saying the cops are my friends because you got something to lose. Then you get old and you're so scared to lose your little bit of stuff that you get really conservative about protecting your stuff. And then you die. Well, look, if you could live two or three hundred years, you could go through a whole nother phase of liberalism <laughs> in your 150th year and kind of re reach some understanding. But we live such short lives and they're so full of desperation that yeah. it's hard for us to get a, a macro view of all this jazz. So I, I can't say I'm not one of these fools that goes, I don't blame the racists. It's not their fault. But I do think it isn't, it's hard to get, it's really, really hard to get the proper perspective when you're dealing with all the regular average things of life. It's really hard for you to pull out and go, 
this might benefit me, but it's unfair. So let me try to dismantle it. I, I got to say very few people think like that. Black, white, or indifferent. Very few people think, oh, I have this advantage. Let me dismantle it. Very few people think like that. And it's going to take a real Herculean effort on white people's parts to dismantle this advantage they've built from the systems that are involved to the policing. It's going to take a real Herculean effort for them to go, nah, I, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll t I won't get spotted 10 points anymore. I'll, I'll play fair. It's going to be really hard. The uh, city of Minneapolis is talking about disbanding their police force because, I mean, the, the, the magnifying glass is on. And I was just reading someone's response to the idea of Minneapolis disbanding their police force and I guess figuring out some way to restructure it. And this poor guy was like, well, then the thugs and the criminals are run free. How does that help anyone? And I was like, this poor bastard and his idea of comfort, he is white and he is scared. Like, the, the, it's exactly what you're talking about is the fact that like he thinks that they are like Ethan Hawke's house in the uh, purge <laughs> that the police are just going to keep people from coming in and take, taking his shit. Uh, and for the most part, what you said is the police are there to keep people from coming in and taking your shit. But while they're doing that, they're running around causing a lot of problems. And you can say not all cops and this and that, but the system is the problem. And let's, you know, I think that individual who is worried about the police being disbanded because people come in and steal their shit is the person who has to be immediately thinking, okay, but how can this work? Because the system right now isn't working. And ultimately like people are uncomfortable They've and they're dying and they're being disproportionately imprisoned. And you can just say all Americans are being disproportionately imprisoned because we've got 22% of the global prison population with only 4% of the global population. Mm. It's a factory of making people to build bumpers for people, like bumpers and, and, and license plates for people, the amount of profit that we get in prisons. So we can get into that. And sorry, Geekscape us to get so political, but shit, man, thank you guys so much for the last 13 years of building this platform for me. I'm going to fucking use it to keep people from getting killed. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but I need to proliferate. Even in my small way of making ripples, I need you guys to then take it out there and and keep moving with this because we have to affect change. And later on in the show, we'll talk about what, uh, uh, you know, Ed thinks of the Snyder cut, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was watching in the back of a cop car. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ian Kerner, who I love to death, like he's on the show quite a bit. He texted my buddy and I about how, Ruby Rose or whoever plays Batwoman isn't coming back as Batwoman and how CW is like, oh, we're not going to recast the Batwoman role. We're just going to get a different actress. And how he was going on back and forth with a friend of his about how stupid a decision this was or not a decision. And I just stopped him and said, hey, man, did you get furloughed? Because the fucking <laughs> world's on fire and you're arguing about whether or not they should fucking recast a Batwoman actress or change the character. Like, who gives a shit? No offense. No, no, no. It's, it's, one of the, 
it's one of those things where we we work in this space and you know you're self-employed you're a self-made guy you got your stuff you're doing your thing and uh i am at this point as well and you go you see the world falling apart but you got to get out your show or you want to you want to promote your show but there's a tuesday blackout on some stuff and then you feel like a dumb asshole like obviously why would i want to promote my show right now the world's falling apart but then you're like well once the world doesn't fall apart i still got these damn bills to pay and that to me is a metaphor for what happens to people when they try to engage with these huge issues somebody right now is going i don't got time for this my lunch break is over that person's the uncomfortable person who turns right. it off and continues to be an asshole for the rest of the mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm just saying it, it's one of those things where life presents you more than enough opportunities to quit, more than enough opportunities to evade, more than enough opportunities to distract oneself. You know what I mean? Life will always provide you a way to not write, to not film, to not educate, to not learn, to not change. Life will come up with so many dope ass ways for you to distract yourself with <laughs> being a piece of shit. Hey man, how much are your turnips in Animal Crossing? Because I think I'm just gonna go check it and sell some turnips. Dude, if and I I'll turn back to work later, <laughs> dude, if I turn this television on behind me, there's 2K frozen on it right now. I'm not. I'm not in the streets. I'm trying to dunk because it's something I can control. And it's right. very serious. You know, you don't want to be that person who like me, myself, my family would be messed up if I got shot in the eye with a bullet. You know what I mean? So you start to think, damn, dude, like, you don't. I don't I am feeling increasingly like I got to get out there because obviously in the future, when you look back, you know, Richard Pryor used to have a bit. Uh, it wasn't even a bit. It was just like a weird poem on one of his albums. And it was like, they're going to ask, hey, daddy, where were you when the shit? was going down and literally what are you going to say oh, i was inside playing 2k so i didn't get shot in the eye like fucking ralphie you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> it's hard it's it's hard to to be that person you know is <laughs> christmas so story your favorite movie <laughs> It's just applying all over the place. You know, the, the, the Scott Farkas actor is a friend of mine, and he's been <laughs> on the show. Like, see, that's amazing. Um, Ed, uh, Green Butterfly off of YouTube just threw this out there and said, I've been hoping Ed could have an outlet that wouldn't be judged unfairly by a chat. I'm so happy to see one of my favorite humans soaking on this. Thank you for this. Green oh, Butterfly, man. of course, don't look to me like. I, I'm just sitting the platform and doing and throwing in some stupid comments. I love Ed. Um, dude, um, I don't even know where to begin with this stuff. And I guess we've already begun and we're already in it. But when you say earlier, this is what I'll say and I'll be done with it. I think I'm okay with it not being it <laughs> and you not being done with it. Well, no, because I, yeah. I am trying and I've tried for the last decade plus to create a service, provide a service for my listenership. And part of this, this is part of the service now is, hey, we talked about what you thought of Avengers Endgame. Shit was tight. <laughs> but let's, now let's start talking about other stuff. And you know what? If we can work through this and if we can work on this then I'll reward you guys with a one woman special sometime in August with Ian Kerner. Like we can do both. We can mm -hmm. talk about all these things. Right. And we don't just because we're geeks have to play the escapism card because ultimately fiction and escapism, those are just the prisms through which we should really be looking at the world. So that's the only mm -hmm. defense I'll give for, Oh, it's like a movie, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But ultimately, well, these are a bunch of assholes who saw, you know, Luke Skywalker versus the Empire and didn't realize they turned into the damn Empire. Like, yeah, come well, on. And, and oh, you you make that point. All right, let's go there. I thought it was really awesome that okay. I kind of didn't like it when they had the black stormtrooper and not because I don't think black people should become or, or can become stormtroopers. I was kind of always, frankly, as one of the few bits of star Wars that actually had a little bit of actual politics in it, not highfalutin weird trade crap. But one of the parts of star Wars that I always thought was interesting was that the empire was white. It was mm -hmm. very known and noticeable how white and erudite the, the empire was. Now the whole movie was, let's not get, that's not to get it twisted, but I'm just saying the empire was really white. <laughs> I mean, how the hell are you going to go out with white armor? That's how much you love white. Your armor is white. You can go to desert planets and fight in white. You're going to be dirty in two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, but on, yeah. on Hoth, you can actually do damage. Oh, yeah. No, of course, Hoffman makes sense. Batman wears white in the snow. The, <laughs> you know? the pilots, like the, the ones fly the, the TIE fighters and the bombers, I think they wore black. Mm -hmm. But at that same time, like, you know, how much of our actual military gear is based on camouflaging? <laughs> no, it, it, it's kind of... Stormtroopers did the worst job of it. <laughs> it's a gone concept. <laughs> so all I'm saying is uh, I, I kind of like the fact that the empire soldiers the people who would fall for this indoctrination were all a bunch of white dudes who are more or less kind of racist as you if you read the if you read the books in the books like uh, admiral thrawn uh not uh, yeah admiral thrawn right yeah yeah he was uh he was blue and they tried to keep him in the back like oh he's like clayton uh, bigsby from the dave Chappelle sketch you know what i mean <laughs> right <laughs> you know and so they kept him in the back and they wouldn't show him blah blah and then when the with the black uh, uh stormtrooper you know john boyega but then it really made it be started to think we've seen these cops in these photos that are beating the hell out of everybody a lot of times there's four black faces on there. There's two white guys, a Chinese guy. It doesn't really matter. And and it's funny in their indoctrination, they go, well, you're not white or black or Chinese. You're blue when you come across this line. But that shit is real. Mm -hmm. That shit is real to them because a lot. And, and again, I want I want to make people understand that a lot of minorities feel like you in order to belong, we have to buy into these systems. And occasionally you have to fuck up another minority who's doing wrong or whatever. And and I think it's almost like this weird, you earn a badge of like, did I do good? Did, did I do good? Yeah. Oh, I did good. I get to be a thank person. Thank you, Master. Right. Thank you so much. And, and thank me, you so much. You know, yeah, me and my my beautiful blonde wife will go sit in this Irish bar with you to the to the wee hours in the morning singing shanties, you know, singing old shanties. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. I'm trying so damn hard to assimilate, even though I know I'm not. It's almost like a Wesley Snipes character in King of New York. You know, he's just kicking it with all these these white cops trying to fit in so hard and they won't let him no matter how hard he tries. They won't let him. So mm -hmm. it's like I see some of these guys buying into the system so much that they're willing to beat up their brothers and sisters over other people's property or other people's ideals. I feel for those people because they're as lost as Finn was or any other person in, in fiction that's been kidnapped. They're as lost as them. And just like in Star Wars, maybe it's time to stop shooting the people who are indoctrinated yeah. and maybe trying to deprogram some of them. Yeah, you which I mean? up a conversation. Uh, Rick, though, on, he's one of our viewers uh, watching on YouTube. He says, once all this conversation dies down, how does long-term change happen? He thinks that they need to add a diversity class in school, and I think that's just the beginning of it. Um, I, I don't know, Ed. Like, I'm really like in a period here in my own head where 
even though I'm half Mexican, I've never been Hispanic enough for the Hispanic people. Like, honestly, people look at me and they're like, oh, white guy. And I get it. And I have accepted a lot of the privileges that come along with that assumption. And that's fine. Um, I am in listening mode. And that's not a cop out to say that I'm not trying to change it. If you guys have been uh, uh, on my Facebook or to some extent my Twitter, you've seen the obnoxious levels to which (laughs) I've been (laughs) posting things. Uh, But I want to listen. And so what would you say to Rick, though, like beyond just a diversity class in schools, like how the hell do we get around this? Because pop culture and telling people that like in Lord of the Rings, it takes a fellowship of dwarves and elves and hobbits and man to come together to defeat Sauron. I don't think people are clicking on it if it's just fiction. I think we need to stop acting like black people are orcs because I'm serious business. That seems to be what a lot of people are doing with these opportunities, right? They start to circulate this thing of like, Oh, look at these. I've, I've seen the word subhuman more times this week what? than in the last the three fuck? or four years, subhuman scum animal things. Talking about the looters. Oh because yeah, of course. The, of looters, course. the looters is like, oh, the property damage. Oh, oh. I can't right. get started well, on the people well, who think with the looters more than the people getting murdered. Well, but also if you got, if you think about it, it is. But again, we're talking about how to change. So let's get back to that. Okay. I think it would be actively trying to break down uh, why it is horrific to see property as more important than people. I'm talking about six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, showing them that you can destroy anything. Take a Fabergé egg in front of an eight-year-old and drop it on the ground (laughs) and say, this is not worth anything compared to you and your life. And have all the kids kind of understand that about themselves and each other. Uh, Stuff like that. Maybe that sounds like some weird frou-frou Montessori crap. But stuff, stuff like that, where it's like, pound home that nobody's and it isn't about once you respect your fellow man you don't want to destroy their property you know what i mean once you really respect them and you know that they respect you where's the impetus to destroy people's stuff if things were a bit more equitable more people would have more stuff and i think that they would be okay with you know uh, a just police force protecting some of their stuff from certain ne'er-do-wells but again, it isn't just we try to pretend like police are Superman where they're just sort of chilling out and then something bad happens and they swoop in. No. And, and, You're right. And, You're or, you know right. what I'm saying? And yes. They're not they're not they're not standing on 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 a gargoyle crouched over the city looking down going, oh, yes, that's not what they're doing. So stop conceiving of it that way. We're we're old ass people. Some of us are in our 30s, 40s, 50s. And still thinking of cops as, as some dude who swings on a zip line or some John McClane that's just going to be in the right place at the right time to stop the crimes. And that that's how everybody that's how all these people end up in prison. Right. They're right. doing bad stuff right in front of a cop. Cop swoops on them, has all the evidence in the world, gets them dead to right, takes them to jail. That's what you think. That's how you think these places get full of prisoners. That's how you think. It's so stupid. And and it's, we've got growing so 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 to getting back to how we can change stuff, make sure eight year olds know that's not how crime is prosecuted. Make sure eight year olds know that that's not how we determine what a crime is. 
Make sure little kids understand that shit. Make sure little kids understand that, like, okay, you know when your mom sends you to bed, as Bill Burr says, on some trumped-up charges? That (laughs) happens to black people. Sometimes black people get sent to bed with no cookies for no reason at all. Okay? Let's start telling kids some of this stuff, especially if they happen to be black. Because this concept that you're that you that you can like uh lie and hide and the and the con- it's almost like we treat racists and Santa Claus the same way. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I just want to drink. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. We no, treat no, racists no. and Santa Claus the same way. You're not prepared to understand about this until you're 12, 15 years old. And by that time, you're doing uh, you're making swastikas on Minecraft and you're done. <laughs> You know, so yeah, I agree uh, with with the listener that it's 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 time to get it in schools. Some of these basic lessons, it's time to get that stuff in schools. And you, have you ever been Zoom bombed? Oh no, yeah. <laughs> and I, you just made me think about it because you said the kids are making swastikas in Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> It is a horrid but like very short experience where people have found your Zoom room and they just flood it instantly. And you maybe you're in there with like four or five, ten of your friends mm-hmm. and you're wishing somebody a happy birthday or uh, whatever. And suddenly the room within seconds fills up and people just start drawing like phalluses all over the street and they start <laughs> they yell homophobic stuff they mm-hmm. find the names of the people in the zoom room and start asking how they like to get effed they start yelling <laughs> racist stuff and i mean anybody who's ever played like online video games knows the level of racism that goes out of kids uh yeah. and they're just like okay i'm cool with it because it's a way to make fun of the person who's camping in call of duty or whatever the hell it is you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. it's a it's just another weapon i can pick up in Fortnite is racism and homophobia yeah. and it's like right. kids are cool with it by the time they get to their teens yep yeah oh shit yeah, right yeah, and, gonna... so yeah so the, all i'm saying is i i feel like a we get on it earlier and b we teach people earlier that these things mean stuff because unfortunately by the time you know i remember being a kid i'll, I'll say something for myself when i was 13 i probably used that wrong f word a bunch and I was around kids who never even thought of it that other way as this denigrating, denigrating thing. But I had gotten so inured to it that it was coming out of my mouth all the time. The, gay, when, the, the word towards gays. Yes. And once you start to realize that those words have attachments to actual people, that when actual people see you use these words against them, it can hurt or enrage them. It starts to be way less cool. It starts to be way less edgy because the thing is, kids, people don't understand kids. I don't think the the kids who say those words are necessarily racist. I think they're getting primed up for it, though. They're getting the primer coat put on. They ain't got the paint job of a racist quite yet, but they got the <laughs> primer coat. You know what I mean? Because they're yeah. they're being desensitized to these words, and they're being and by the time they learn that these words do hurt people, they might be these young edge lords talk about. Yeah, I don't care about those f words and n words. Just show me that Snyder cut and shut the hell up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now they're just like running actresses off of Instagram because they were in the Star Wars movie they didn't like, and they happened. Oh, I don't know to be female and Asian. Oh, so dude, and, and that and that's another thing. Can I, can I just really speak very quickly on that stuff? You don't have to speak I, anything I hate, quickly. And no, like, I know. This I know. I know. No. You're here, man. I do, I just don't want to. The thing I hate about these movements. I just mentioned the Snyder cut. 
And I tried, I got in trouble on Screen Junkies for like being mad at kids who love the Joker a whole bunch and mad at kids who was Snyder cutting all over the internet because I felt like there was a concurrent politicization of Zack Snyder's plight, right? It's like something was taken from Zack Snyder. Something was snatched from him. Something is, uh, these Disney movies and his marvelization of everything is snatching some birthright that I have to love my... It it got really weird. You know what I'm saying? It got like, maybe we're talking about something else, you know? Maybe we're talking about something else like yeah, your uh, unfinished all, childhood timmy right, all, all, <laughs> right. All, all these terms like infiltrate and disney shill and uh, uh or warner brothers shill or any kind of shill you know they start whipping out these languages and kind of doing this uh, canon uh uh, uh pizza gate sort of thought process about a comic book movie about the significance of a certain brand of comic book movie and it is at that point when you realize these kids don't understand anything about race or history or anything, because they'd be passionate about that shit and be trying to do something about that instead of this weird fake tribalism of uh, we're on a thing called Geekscape. I love comic books, but I'm not about to put my fucking consumerism above my humanity like right. a lot of these fuckers do. I, that enrages me, as you can tell. It enrages me. You know what I mean? That you you, you think you can identify as some consumer before a human being. That understands mm-hmm. that there's, you know, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just kind of tired of looking like Admiral Akbar to some of these fuckers. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like this, this weird brown, well, yeah. this, this weird brown other that talks good and can lead and does stuff, but not quite human. Not you're quite warning them of us. traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sadly, you're going to be uh, killed off screen. Oh, oh my god talk about he should have known it was a trap right I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's a shtick like, that's what i had not thought about what was it which one was that that was uh the the second one in the sequel trilogy i don't what was the name of it they had uh oh are you talking about his son or whatever no, the other calamari no the, the mon calamari was the race but what was yeah yeah what was the second sequel trilogy movie? Oh, uh, Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Like, didn't they kill Admiral Akbar off screen? I, I, th- I think he died, and people were going, "Oh, this other Mon Calamari is him." And like, "No, that's not him. That's his son, Beelzebub, whatever the hell." I, you know, it's just like you're gonna kill him off screen. I mean, what is this? Uh, no country, what is this? No country for old men. You're just gonna kill my boy off screen. This is trash. <laughs> uh, Rick goes back and he says when I was five I drew a ninja throwing star and my parents asked where I learned that it was he drew it and that like oh, drew it oh, not oh, like yeah. drew it like he was going to throw it he drew it with a pencil <laughs> it was crashed into my school door entrance turns out it was a swastika all they said was not to draw that did you wrong <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but that, but that's what I was saying earlier. It's like yeah. it's like okay, leave out some cookies for Santa Claus, and you're not old enough to know what racism is. That's how we treat kids. We treat them as it's it's like something that you'll figure out by the, by the time you grow up. By the time you grow up, you already have certain attitudes, or you're or you're like you're saying stuff like some of these gamer guys. I'm not dissing gamers at all. I I'm a sports gamer myself, uh, and I have played certain role playing and different types of games. But when people go like, when people go like why does it have why does this kid why do you have to have a female character available why do i have to be a black guy why do i 
You don't see me asking why I got to be a beautiful chick with big tits when I play a Tomb Raider. You know, <laughs> I just deal with it and it's cool. And by the time that I'm in the game, I'm like, yeah, look at my sexy ass. I'm about to fuck these sharks up. You know, <laughs> I, I, I just don't understand why people it's so funny. The only thing I, I think is really is really interesting is how little some of these people and I do mean these people can take being othered can take momentarily being a minority it's so rough on them to have to identify with somebody else so you wonder why they don't care that people are being rubber bulleted or or garroted or whatever the hell's going on in the streets choked stabbed beat up you wonder why they don't care about that they don't even want to be a negro in a game they don't want to be a 64-bit negro much less a whole you know (laughs) they they don't want to do it they don't want to do it I mean, some of these guys are playing with the 50 Celtics teams or something. I just I don't get it. They don't they don't want to be black or brown or a woman or anything under any circumstances. And you wonder why they don't care that certain people's lives don't matter, that certain people's lives are bad, that certain people, you know, are going through some of these things. You wonder why they don't care. It starts out with stuff like being mad that you got to be a girl in a video game, being mad you got to be a Negro in a video game, saying stuff like, well, white kids won't be able to relate to it. I remember I went into a comic book store back when I worked a regular square job. I had pleated pants, a button-up shirt. I looked like anybody's safe Negro security uh, or securities commission black guy. I walk into the comic book store with pockets full of money about to spend me up some money because I hadn't been to a comic book store in a long time. Comic book store guy goes, apropos of nothing, commences to get – I swear to God, I walk into the store, start perusing, and instantly – I don't know what they got to make the Spider-Man black. You know, <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man don't got to be black. Uh, and, you know, these they're making everybody gay. Oh, they're, apropos of nothing, dude, I swear to God, I didn't start that conversation. He just sees me. It just has to get it off his chest. You know what I mean? And I just I just think we, we as geeks need to really own how we are. trying to connect with you, Ed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I think connect with you. Dude, and it's so third grade, right? You see the girl you like, so you pull her hair, throw a frog in the dirt or whatever the hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? that, that's kind of like, that's what he was trying to do to me. And I'm just like, I don't know. How do you feel that. about this Spider-Man being black? Come at me. Come back at me. Right. How you do know? you feel about the Miles Morales? So that, that's all I'm saying. Like, if we can't take it in a video game, if we can't take it in a movie, if we're on some, you will not replace us. You will not take X guy's movie away and try to politicize that and 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 add so much more to it. If we don't understand how we're we're almost using these surrogates for dealing with race, we're using these surrogates for dealing with inequality. These surrogates of I I am I'm down with the underdog comic book company. Why don't you be down with the underdog people? You know what I mean. It's so much easier for us to be down with the the underdog multinational conglomerate. Is that who you're talking about? We're talking about Time Warner, you dummies. This is the second biggest company in the basically the entertainment world. And there's some put upon uh, uh, Romani people being chased by villagers like Dr. Doom's mom. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's so stupid. And it's 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 them obviously trying to find a way to harness the natural activism you have when you're young, but they're harnessing it for all the wrong bullshit. They don't want to be on the streets helping these kids, helping people have a good life, but they want to throw eggs at Marvel or, or or throw eggs at whatever they don't like. Throw eggs at Marvel, right. throw eggs at DC, make this fake tribalism over things that don't on the whole matter. 
raise a Mary Sue, that whole thing. We're just all like, that stuff. Shut up. <laughs> all that vitriol. Imagine those kids putting some of that vitriol towards their freaking congressmen, towards right. their their sheriffs. You know it what kinda, I mean? It, it that attitude right there that you're talking about is why we started the Don't Hate Create T-shirts, mm-hmm. and that is why that was. I mean, that is an old idea of mine that I finally figured out how to mobilize and make. But the Don't Hate Create T-shirt that Geekscape started selling a couple of years ago came out of just a reaction to these incels who were like, oh, he doesn't look like me. She doesn't look like me. I'm not going to buy it. I'm actually going to be really vigilantly against it. And everyone else is wrong. And it's why I didn't watch the Joker movie. Cause I'm like, I really don't feel like the romanticization of nihilism and violence is anything that we need to deal with. I don't need to pay for that. I can like look out a window and see that. You know what I mean? Like that the fucking Joker movies having in our society. Why would I pay to see it? You know, like, come on. I don't need to see it dressed as taxi driver. Like I'll just watch taxi driver and then I'll just watch the news. Like, I think I'm good. Uh, Kate Eglin says those guys think that storytelling comics, video games is a finite resource. And that if there's other stories being told, then there's no room for theirs. And then they lash out and it's sad. I agree. I, I agree. agree with that assessment. It's like, it's like that old joke. Uh, I couldn't say it better, but I'll try. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's, I, I agree with that assessment very much. And Heidi brings up uh, people got all bent out of shape about James Bond possibly being played by Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God forbid this fictitious rapey character gets played by Idris Elba. Oh, I'm not a James God. Bond fan from the get go. Cause I think, He's stupidly OP for no reason. Like in that the movies are basically mad libs of being like, okay, over the course of this movie, he's going to drive a car, shoot a couple different guns. One's going to be a handgun that's a little phallic, and one's going to be an arm cannon. He's going to bang two women. One's going to end up dead. One's going to end up being a bad guy. And then he's going to eliminate the seriously gay bad guy mm-hmm. and make things safe for like white uh, fucking, you know, heterosexual males and then you're going to go see the next movie that's the exact fucking same thing uh so like way back when i've talked about it on geekscape a lot i was like you never at any point think that james bond is in any danger right because no matter who they cast he's awesome and you know i love Idris elba but yeah no matter who they cast you think Idris elba is like he's gonna save the day i want this is is my cast i'm recasting james bond right here and i've done it before on geekscape it's louise guzman you, yeah, you have Luis Guzman as James Bond, and you're like, oh, I think we might actually be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually want to see if this guy can get the girl. No offense to Luis Guzman, but he's a little older, he's short, he's stout. But then when you see him pull that shit off, mm-hmm. just in the nick of time, and he saves the planet, gets the babe, can drive the car, can shoot the gun, can do all that badass shit, you're like, Woo! Now that was a cathartic experience at the theaters. Well, dude, it, there there would be some doubt in it, and you'd be rooting for him the entire way. Let's say he was just as hyper competent, you'd still root for him more. Right? There's still something else there. But but again, that's what we're using fiction for, right? We're definitely trying to find all these ways to use fiction to. That's one thing I was when you were saying people are saying that this situation is like a movie. The difference is, movies have good guys. Movies have good guys. Movies have good guys with plans. Movies have good guys that look like they're undermanned, but they they rally and they win. 
I'm sorry. I think certain people in this country have been waiting about 200 some odd years for the good guys to come out. The good and the good because the good guys, if you notice at the end of the movie, the good guys have won. They've eradicated at least until the sequel. This particular thought process, this particular action, they've at least taken action to 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 slow that thing down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know where the good guys are. And I understand there's so many good civil rights activists and so many people in their 80s who marched with Dr. King and all this different stuff. But it just seems like I think it's it's not on 80 year old people. It's on us, the generation mm-hmm. that's now the generation that's that's making the decision to give somebody a loan at a bank. You know what I mean? The people who are like, you know, I, I, I shudder to think about how prejudiced people my age still are. You know, because we got to we got to grow up with like pretty in pink and all these weird problematic things that kind of put these ideas in your head yeah. about women, about minorities and stuff. And I'm not trying to diss that that artist, but I am stating that let's a black dude do pretty in pink at that time, at this time, in the future, in the past, on a box with a fox. It would never happen. Mm-hmm. There's this normalization of a lot of for lack of a better word, freaky white boy stuff, <laughs> you know, th- this lionization <laughs> of the Joker, you will never see Idris Elba or, or hell, the kid from Everybody Hates Chris uh, or, or John Boyega or any black person, pick a black person, the black sure. guy from the Pikachu movie. You will never see him in a movie dancing weird in a bathroom after having capped some dudes in a subway station and lead some weird, weird television revolution. That'll never happen. And that was a Joker, is what yeah, you yeah, yeah. And yeah. I didn't see that movie because I was like, it, it doesn't need yeah. my money. Oh no, dude. The, the crazy part is I I had a friend and I told him I, I divorced him since then. Now uh, I had a friend and I was like, let's go see. I don't even remember what it was, but it was something better than the Joker movie. And he goes, I want to see the Joker movie to be part of the conversation. So we go and we both don't like it. And as we're walking out, I go. Well, let's have the fucking conversation now, right? <laughs> Was that worth it? Let's be part of the fucking conversation, Mr. Conversation. Ian was, <laughs> so insistent that, Ian was insistent that because I do Geekscape, I have to watch the Joker movie. And like, I'm wrong for not seeing it because how who am I to run Geekscape and not be part of the conversation and not be educating myself on it? And the whole time Ian does stuff like that, I just back channel text with everyone else on the chain. And just say, hey guys, like you've seen the movie. I don't really need to see this shit. Do I? And they're like, no, it's nothing. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no offense to the Joker movie. Like, I'm sure the performance is great. It looked masterful in its execution, but there's a bandwidth that I have but, of and, both and, time and like yeah. how much I'm taking on. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see it. And, uh, you know, here's a little bit of levity. Our friend Eric Barnes says, oh, look, two of my friends teamed up for a great conversation. Oh, thanks, Eric. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes, Damn, Jonathan, you hate James Bond almost as much as Daniel Craig does. <laughs> and, and Jim Pellegrinelli in Brooklyn says, I totally want to see Luis Guzman as Bond now. He won't be called Bond. He'll be called Quan or something. You know, he'll be called something else. But um, Dude, every time I think of Luis Guzman, I think of two things. When he was on Community as the statue and when he showed up and he told the 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 dean of greendale you know the the, the community college and the yeah. community, he told him that he needed to respect the school i think of him on that i think of him in the limey these are real deep cuts yeah I think of him in the limey and the last thing i think of him is boogie nights at the at towards the end of boogie nights no spoilers but towards the end of the boogie nights he gets like a club and the club is going to be the rodriguez brothers club and they put rodriguez on the on the marquee but it's a cue and he looks up, he's like, bro, hey, baby, we're going to, oh, 
that's a Q. That's supposed to be a G. Oh. <laughs> I think of him in that acting in that porn scene where he was playing like yeah. the guy at the bar. But yeah, yeah when I think of Louis Guzman, I do think of Boogie Nights. Now imagine that <laughs> in James Bond. And I think I think I said that on Twitter somewhere and tagged him. And he was down. He was down to play my version of James Bond, where he's 007, as I call him. He's just like, <laughs> let's go. Mexico's, Mexico's super spy is Mexico's only spy. Let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, and, and the, there there is a market for like the, the uh, slightly older, uh, uh, you know, uh, action star like uh, Danny Trejo. Uh, Liam Neeson until he got canceled for being an asshole. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these old guys, so-called old guys, I think Luis might be in his 50s, but like he's still hailing Hardy. But like some of these guys, you can see, I love that. Well, I don't know about love, but I kind of liked the first Equalizer movie they did with Denzel. Yeah, but that's the only one I saw, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, they didn't try to shy away from him being a little bit older and him still being a proficient killing machine. I kind of like that as a dude who's getting rapidly older by the day, it seems like. I love stuff like John Wick and stuff stuff where you could be kind of older than everybody and sort of a, a legend in your own right and people kind of give you a pass so you kick them in the face. with your Right, so now add being shorter, being slower, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like not as good looking. Dude, Traditionally, Louise is good looking to me. Dude, Louise doing John Wick style fighting I'm talking about if he did one move and chained it into another move and rolled back up to his feet, the audience would blow up. They, it's they, like fucking Yoda pulling out a lightsaber in that episode two. Like people would lose their minds if they suddenly saw Luis Guzman whipping people's asses all over the screen. No, I, I'm down for it. I think we okay. should. Uh, and when's our writing group? Let's meeting. let's write it. Let's let's maybe let's make a short at first. You know, maybe only spend about forty thousand dollars on it for some good for some good stuff. <laughs> Geekscape is, uh, we're going to be announcing the Kickstarter coming up for our 007 Proof of Concept short. Ed Greer and I are going to meet at the uh, Wendy's on Sepulveda, where I last saw you in the flesh, and we're going to knock this thing out. And the uh, next thing that's going to get knocked out is uh, is me, because I'll be eating at Wendy's every day, riding with Ed. And uh, we can't go to Wendy's, actually, uh, because supposedly one of their franchisees gave a ton to Trump. So they've been canceled now. Uh, and I want to definitely address what we were talking about earlier about educating yourself. One of my high school classmates, uh, Drew Brees, did not do too too well with this whole flag situation. Did you know that, Ed, that, that yeah. Drew and I graduated high school together? <laughs> and, and, I mean, he's a nice guy. And I remember th- years ago when Kaepernick was having that, you know, the NFL you know, board of racists were like ripping on this whole kneeling thing. And Kaepernick, it was sitting and then somebody came to Kaepernick, who was a veteran, and said, hey, listen, you should try kneeling because that is not offensive, you know, and, and, and they can't get you on that. And they still found out a way to make it about the flag. Mm-hmm. And Drew, poor Drew, like a couple of years ago was like, hey, I'm not into that. I think it's disrespectful. You know, World War Two, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I remember him getting some flack for it a couple of years ago. And I, so when they reset it, when he reset it yesterday to Yahoo Finance, I really thought they were just running the quote again. And I was like, oh, no, they're trudging that back up. Not realizing he had still said the same ignorant thing he said years ago. And I was like, oh, dude, you can't say that stuff. Luckily, enough of his teammates and fellow NFL players came out and were like, you're a sucker. That he came out with and said, listen, I'm sorry. And I'm glad he did an apology. But I just don't see 
how we turn a blind eye on this stuff as prevalent as it is. I mean, that was not exactly a quiet, like, problem. Well, okay, but this two things on that. Okay, two things. First thing. Andrew is a nice guy. Uh, like, oh, he's no, a no, nice no. guy, but we're talking about blindness here. We're talking about the same blindness that I was talking about earlier where you don't know you're a hoarder because you've been doing it for so long. And now exactly. you're living amongst cat shit. No, it's it's the it's the thing we're talking about the bumpus's dogs, the hoarder thing, though the, the 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 my my dogs attack people, but I turn a blind eye to it. My kids never mess up in school. And you notice how every time you go to the parent teacher conference or whatever, it's always the teacher's fault because they're so stupid and they're not teaching this person's kid right. No, no, maybe the teacher's right and your kid sucks. Maybe your kid sucks when he's out of your presence. Well, maybe your kid's only nice to you because you provide for him, right? Let's take the metaphor all the way. Well, to make it really sad and personal, the the eight the nineteen year old kid who killed my older brother who was driving drunk, his mm -hmm. mother was worked in the police force, mm -hmm. and anytime he got outside the lines, broke the law, got caught, maybe it was weed, maybe it was whatever, I don't know what it was, but every time he ran a, a, against the law, come on boys, let's go easy on him. It was come on boys, let's go easy on him, mm -hmm. and. You make a little monster that way. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, it, yes. and it ended with my brother and his girlfriend strewn across a road in Texas because this guy was having one last bender before going in the next Monday for some real time because, mm -hmm. you know, and so he was just going to get drunk and drive around. And like, you can't do that. It's like I've said on the show before, a hard choice. Hard decisions equal an easy life, but you make the easy decisions, you're going to get a hard life. Mm. And so you got to go early on that stuff. And mm. it's real easy. It's mm. super easy to remember. A dummy like me likes it. Well, hard I, decisions I, is an easy life. Easy decisions, hard life. No, absolutely. That kid, if he had got a stern, a stern one at 16, 15, 8, 7, you know, I think things maybe could have gone different. And I really hate to hear that, man. Uh, but it's, 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 and it is, it takes you to that personal place because overall, what I'm saying is about this whole kneeling and cops and this and that thing is the whole metaphor that you're disrespecting the military. Now, listen to me now, the whole metaphor breaks down unless you are saying that the police are part of the military. And if that is what you are saying, you are wrong. There is no way in hell the domestic police force that's supposed to take care of American citizens is supposed to be militarized. There's no way. Look at all the so-called shitholes of the world. Look at the, all the places where there's injustice rampant in the world. Their police carry M16s walking around. Their police are armed to the teeth. They look like uh, the, 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 the Batman who laughs or whatever the hell or that yeah. the other batman with all the guns <laughs> policemen in those countries looks like do you want that here and if you do want that here it's because you know they're not gonna shoot you up you know it somewhere in your bones how do you know that this ultra militarized looking like a bunch of fucking cyborgs terminator police force isn't gonna hurt you is it that you know that they're tacitly supporting your supremacy so you see how the, the lattice work of all this thinking falls apart when you really <laughs> think about it? Yeah. That's why they're so mad that you're disrespecting the flag because what you're disrespecting is these are the attack dogs that go around, and I'm not calling soldiers dogs. Soldiers, uh, anybody who's willing to join the military and do some of these things, 
I don't know if everybody's a motherfucking hero. I don't know if the guy, you know, throwing some gas in the helo is a hero. Okay, I'm yeah. not trying to think about it, but I'm I'm not saying that the base mechanic is is a hero or isn't. All I'm saying is somebody who's willing to, to sign up to do that duty, I respect. But when you're gonna tell me that I have to respect them because they go do our bidding as a country all across the world, whether it's for good or ill, whether we're right or wrong. If you're telling me I have to respect people who are more or less mercenaries to certain causes, if you're telling me I have to respect that, you're saying you're okay with that behavior. Not saying that you're that I'm against soldiers or anything, just make it very clear. I'm just saying when you say that the cops and the police force are the same, or that the, the police force and soldiers are the same thing, when you say that my country right or wrong, when you say things like this, you're basically saying that anybody who speaks out against that is wrong because they're against your supremacy. So, But again, most of the people can't even make all those connections. They just go flag good, soldier good, cop good, no more thinking today, shut down machine. And that's right. bullshit, man. You can't be like that. That's what I'm asking. You know, in my opening monologue, when I'm telling people to own it and that racism is a white problem, like it's on us to, to own this because, you know, we've been ignoring it so long that when people are like, they're now looting. And so it's because like, you didn't listen to them when they were kneeling. What did you think was going to happen? They kept being like, hey, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Hey, 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 hey. And then finally it's like lashing out, you know? Well, you know, I, when you're picking on your, your younger brother and it's like, quit it, quit it, quit it, quit it, quit it, quit it. And then they suddenly punch you? Yeah. You weren't listening. You didn't quit it. So, And also, my addendum to that metaphor is it's like the whole, I am not touching you. I am not touching you. Imagine that I am not touching you game with some nighttime beatings and then when you're in the back of the car some not on not touching you all day imagine that for three or four hundred years yeah just imagine and that that's i mean if that's if that's the facile metaphor people need to get it get that think about it somebody playing i am not touching you they just beat your <laughs> ass last night now they got their finger one inch from your face all the time <laughs> i'm the normal i am normal humanity you can't play a video game with your character if, if there's two black people on a show, it's a black show. If there's one drop of black blood in you, you're black. All these different things that, that you set up to other this person. And then you're going to play, I am not touching you all day with this bullshit. Yeah. Eventually, <laughs> you get fucked up. Eventually, it's going to happen. So Geeks gave us, um, I'm not wrapping up, Ed, because I'm not going to cut you off ever. Um <laughs> Ed, let's talk about this podcast you got. Uh, this is the Nerd Goat podcast. Um, I'm putting it up here because uh, I want the geeks gave us to uh, subscribe to it. Um, but uh, tell me about the Nerd Goat podcast. Um, well, I frankly love it. It's It was my first podcast. That was my baby. Um, me and Ron Swallow. Ron Swallow basically introduced me to a guy named Frank who was a comedian. And Frank worked at this place called Bill Bonds Media, or it's a larger company called Kilburn. And mm -hmm. uh, long story boring, Ron had an idea for doing a podcast. He just wanted to do a podcast. And he hit me up and he said, I want to do it with you. And I was like, super cool. And I love Ron. Ron's yeah. a great guy. 
yeah so we went down to uh the place talked to him and we came up with all these ideas like we'll do this we'll go to comic shops we had all these dumb ideas for all these different podcasts and video shows because the place is a production house as well and so we had all these ideas and the last thing i said i said we should come up with one more idea before we go in there and uh i said maybe something called like who's your favorite like who's your favorite fictional character something like that we just talk to people because like once you talk to people about who their favorite fictional characters are you start to see who they are as a person like i guarantee you the people we've had on that come on telling me that the joker is their favorite character these are some unique motherfucking individuals (laughs) (laughs) these are some unique individuals let's just say i spent a lot of money in hot topic in their day (laughs) you're right so So, but 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 it doesn't have to be that extreme of example. Like we just had Daniel Radford on to do Storm. We've had on Hector Navarro to do Iron Man. That was a two-part episode because we just found ourselves having so much to say about the character from the cinematic universe to how he was, you know, uh, in the comic books, like such a long lineage of having like supplied Nick Fury and Shield with their weapons in the beginning of the continuity mm-hmm. and stuff. Like and that. you know, he was developed on a bet. Like that's right, the craziest right. story. Of, like. Iron Man came out of a bet that like Stan Lee couldn't create a character that was the opposite of these hippies running Marvel mm-hmm. and was this conservative dude and that we that people would end up liking him and he was like oh watch me I'll, I'm gonna make a character based on the other side yeah that the Howard Hughes aesthetic right because the, the, there's two things people want really bad and I think that's the problem with our world people want two things very bad they want to be a hippie smoking a joint laying between two big boobs or a nice chest or whatever you like and just smoking weed on the grass and having fun. But they also want to have millions of dollars to be in charge of industry. <laughs> right. Everybody wants to do both things equally. And you can. And it causes weird cognitive dissonance in your brain. <laughs> you know, so like uh, when we talk to people about their favorite fictional characters, we find out some of these things. We start to like delve into like the psychology of people. Like, why did you connect with Ghost Rider? Why did you, you know, connect with such and such character? And it goes to everything from aesthetics to their upbringing to certain experiences in their lives. Sometimes mm-hmm. people will like characters who are sort of a road-based character that doesn't have a home, and you find out that they were on military bases their whole life and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's my friend. Uh, if you guys listen to Monday's show, my friend Brian Clem from Suburban Legend said that Lobo was his favorite character, and I just notched it up to the fact that like. He thought he was edgy and cool and had metal hair because he's a big metal head. But his parents also took away all that Lobo stuff when he was a kid. So he just wanted it more. You know, that's what we talked about on Monday. But it's interesting, you know, and um, that's an interesting concept. It's a cool idea for, for a podcast. You can hear how it's psychological, but also, you know, it scratches that pop culture itch that we like to talk right. about. Right. And uh, producer Bill, uh, he was our second producer and he was in the office when we were talking about this. Who's your favorite idea? And it was I'll tell you, it was at the very end of us talking to the podcast place, the podcast mm-hmm. network about it. It was the very last thing we said is we we're almost leaving out the door and it stopped the conversation. It was like, that's a great idea. And Bill came in and he was he was to be our producer later. And he goes, I think I got something for that. And uh, to his credit, he came up with Nerd Goat and he mm-hmm. a logo of like me and Ron getting hit by this ram and <laughs> out and it was like okay. uh, you know as a goat like a, a goat with a mask on right slamming through us and just the nerd goat font and it was just like it was like dirk diggler seeing his name in lights for the first time <laughs> <laughs> that's what i felt like i was like this is the shit man and so i kind of poured myself into it long story boring 
that's grown to me kind of uh i got on screen junkie shortly before that so like the screen junkies people started supporting nerd goat then nerd goat uh me and billy business from screen junkies you know producer at screen junkies he and i uh started rolling to work together at screen junkies and we started doing a thing called commute killers on his podcast um it's hilarious and so many things started happening i started just frankly talking a lot and it it started to be like i started to see myself more in this space of like i love being funny but sometimes shit ain't fucking funny and it's time to get real you know what i mean and i love that with the podcast form i can get real about some shit about how they just screwed storm over in every single movie how was the bitch the fucking lead of the book for 30 years and she can't get four lines in the movie yeah. <laughs> right like all, all of these things you start to talk about with people and uh and you know on screen junkies gave me a, a nice platform to be able to be vocal about some of these issues and how important pop culture is and so then me and bill and, and ron and billy would always sit around basically rebooting movies just doing movies over fixing little things and our little conversations like all all us geeks do and that grew into the rebooted uh, YouTube channel, which mm-hmm. is in its second season now, going strong. We just did a live episode um, about rebooting the Fantastic Four. It was like two damn hours long because we had a mm-hmm. slog to get through all the stuff that's been done to it before. And it's just, it's kind of a, a great, uh, it's its right from the Nerd Goat lineage of us being creative about other properties and stuff and seeing where we can get in. And uh, we pretend that John Peters, the infamous, uh, want to have a uh, Superman big producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to put a giant spider in Superman lives. Yeah, yeah. part of our he ended, up, he ended up getting it in Wild Wild West. Oh right? yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. So, so yeah. basically, part of our kayfabe is he busts into every reboot um, broadcast and demands that we put something utterly stupid in our reboot. And we oh, have to- so he throws you like a wrench. Yeah, yeah, he throws he throws us a monkey wrench because you and I have both had things in development. That's what yeah. these motherfuckers do. It's almost like they look at your product and they go, "How could I ruin that?" And Here- I don't even think you look at the product. I think that especially in some of these studios that we've worked with, um, they know that their quarterly report's going to come up, and they know they've been collecting a paycheck for nothing for two weeks every every two weeks. So they they see this slew of emails that they've long since go beyond them and not keep up with. And then they want to justify the quarterly that they are involved in the conversation. So they just uh, skim and then they throw something fucking stupid out there mm-hmm. pretending to have done their homework. And you're just like, what? And it becomes law depending on how up the food chain they are. Dude, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so on, on rebooted overall, what we end up doing is like, just, we did a, we did a um, star Wars episode. Okay. Just go, well, change Ray a little bit, change this, change that. We did a whole redo. Like I'm talking about Palpatine, I don't think was even in it. Or we we ended up sprinkling a little bit of him in at the end. We 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 changed uh, basically Darth Vader into Palpatine. We shifted a bunch of different things around in the story. And a lot of people love that episode as like you actually made sense of the entire tapestry. You made it seem like something that could be a cohesive nine movies, but that's the benefit of hindsight. We're not saying we're smarter than anybody. We do these reboots over it's uh, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And so we take about an hour or an hour and a half uh, to kind of just talk it out in real time and put it up on YouTube. And people are really responding to it because it's like, it's creative, even though it's like, you know, we're, we're kind of rebooting and we're trying to like, not just, 
cast new actors in the same old story when we take these properties. We try to I like this. Of it, you you know? uh how to finally bring Fantastic Four into the MCU. We've talked about that a bit here on the show. A Super Mario Brothers mashup. How would you get Mario Brothers, got Mario Kart, Galaxy into a Mario Kart movie? This is awesome. Uh the Green Lantern. How do you fix Green Lantern? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, we made we, we ended up making Green Lantern a buddy cop movie like 48 hours. Yeah, I think it always has to be some kind of a cop movie because of just the Green Lantern Corps being it like the the space police. You got to have some kind of a of a deal there to reflect that. But yeah, that dude, that's awesome. Well, and and basically all and of what's great about like you know my burgeoning, I I I'm not quite geekscape, but uh, don't, we were, don't be like that. We're definitely, dude. I'm telling you, man, you're one of the first people I saw in this. I don't want to say space because I sound like a Hollywood douche. It's escape. Like, I, I yeah, <laughs> it's a it's escape. Yeah, I, you're one of the first people in this. When you're scene. first, you get to name it. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> dude. Yeah, but, but honestly, you're one of the for you, uh, freaking Chris Gore. Uh, back when back when um uh, uh what the fuck by Mark uh Marin was like literally just him in his garage with cats and like maybe ten comedians listening. <laughs> I remember the days of the early parts of this, and it's always something that I wanted to explore. So like. Being able to be on Screen Junkies to talk about movies, then have people follow me over to Nerd Goat to listen to us pontificate on what's great about different. And that's another thing. It's positive. We're trying to say what's great. Who's the greatest character? Why are they so great? That's kind of how we try to approach it. You know, so it, it was kind of a breath of fresh air for us to interview people about their favorite characters. And then the rebooted thing. How do you remake something without disrespecting it totally? Or right. how do you disrespect the parts that are stupid? And jettison them the parts that kind of have people in a conundrum is how you know when they try to reboot these things they try to respect certain things that are whack like like james bond for example we tried to reboot james bond but mission impossible did it you know yeah or <laughs> born identity did it and all yeah. those yeah exactly so it was it was crazy but like oh can i drop a, a special piece of news on your you podcast? can do whatever you want buddy yeah Dude, um well producer bill is a great artist like he's one of these guys who went to like tish or something he like draws his ass off and i have been steadily leveling up my skills uh we are going to do a comic we're doing a uh, goat comics uh, a comic magazine almost like uh almost like mad or, or like a wizard hmm? wizard magazine be one of the maybe comparisons uh no it'd be more like uh kind of oh, like- it'd be fun it'd be like you said it like cracked yeah, yeah, cracked or mad or something like that. But at the same time, it's almost like if cracked and mad had sex with heavy metal and one, uh, well, yeah, I'd say heavy metal and also metal herlant. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's got kind of got a, a, a European graphic album feel. Oh, cool. A 48 page book, chock full of short, you know, like Love and Rockets esque stories by myself and Bill. And Ron is going to do some sections of his uh, fantasy novel. He's going to be like our editor, you know, uh, great weird little notes on our lot of drawings and stuff and him being like, you should do it like this. And like, I drew an immaculate drawing and he'll do like a terrible drawing and be like, you should do it like this. You know, we're going to have fun with it. And uh, it really is though, the culmination of a dream to like do comics. It's one of the, my oldest art, most ardent wishes was to sit my ass down and level up to where I could no perspective, no anatomy, no all the storytelling stuff good enough to do my ideas as comics. So I don't have to wait on anybody to, to prove a screenplay. I don't have to wait on anybody to pitch it to. Yeah. I can make my own comics, make my own stories, put them out myself, publish them through Kickstarter, things of this nature. 
So yeah, we're, we're going to drop a Kickstarter. It's going to be later this month. So please watch the Rebooted channel space on YouTube and please watch uh, Nerd Goat for further news on when we're going to start the Kickstarter. It will be this month. And obviously Geeks gave us like watch this space because if Ed's involved and Ron's involved, we're going to support it because you guys have always been like, I don't know. It, when I was doing stand-up, I always felt like Ron would get me shows and like you'd be on shows and I just felt like there was a camaraderie there. Um, and it was you know, obviously past my bedtime, so I couldn't hang with it. But it was a lot easier doing those shows with you and Ron where we share the same language than doing like, you know, the 10th, you know, bit at like the comedy store or wherever, where you don't know any of the other comedians, they brought their friends, you don't know their friends. And you're just like, this sucks. This isn't my community. This is when I, this is why I tell stories. This isn't my thing. So but it's, what's really interesting is during that whole period, that's the first time I started messing with Joe Starr from Screen Junkies. I love Joe. And, and Joe yeah. used to write for Geekscape, and he used to help run our comedy night every once yeah. a month. Yeah. There you go. So it's like, so it's like, um, and I knew that, but it's like that's what I'm <laughs> okay. This community is very Games of Thronesy. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're very incestuous. We, the geek comics, know each other. We've done shows with each other. We've done Comic Con multiple times with each other. And it's just an interesting comedy community to be in because I really feel like we feel like we're the dorks. And so when we get our, when we get together and we're at a comic book uh, convention or we're at a comic book store and doing a show or something, like a pop-up or something, you feel like Superman at a club. Sometimes you feel like Superman on Krypton. Yeah. And when you're around all your people and they get all the references and they understand what's going on, or they at least understand the imagination that you're trying to bring to stand up. Because a lot of geeks don't like stand-up because they feel like, oh, I can see that joke coming. I'm smart. Yeah. Well, I've, I've perused comedy forever. I know all those jokes. I'm a comedy nerd as well as every other type of nerd. And when they see some of the stuff that you would do or I would do or Joe would do, it would stand out because it was like we're real comics who also happen to do geek stuff. Yeah. And so when you're a real comic and you come around uh, geeks who think they hate comedy and you start to connect with them, they really like you more than the average comedian could ever be liked by anybody. And I'm very happy that that's happened to me. I mean, most of the people who are, I don't want to say fans of mine, but people who support what I do, they like me a lot because I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm, honestly, that the few fans I have are super diehard because I'm not doing the same old thing. Right. I'm not talking about roaches. I'm not talking about humping a stool. I'm not talking about how my girlfriend's dumb. I'm Online dating. Like, do you know it's totally uninteresting to me, and for most of my audience, that stuff is uninteresting. We would so, actually have to do research to write those jokes is the problem. <laughs> like, ultimately, let's just say what we're both thinking. If you were to write those jokes about airline travel, we'd have to do research <laughs> to do that. So we're going to actually just punt the thing, go for the layups, and be like, you know what? I read comics every night, so I'm going to make – Wait, wait, wait. I, I know Star Wars back and forth, so I'm just going to make jokes about comics and Star Wars. And let's just be honest, all right, pal? Dude, it's not no. about building community. It's about us just wanting to do layups. All right. Dude. A dunk is still two points, pal. Dude, but you know, but what's what's really interesting, though, is I, I have found that you do, you do know the difference, though. Because yeah. sometimes it is like being an NBA player and going and playing the Olympics, you know, and playing a bunch of European teams that are a little bit smaller, a little bit slower, whatever. Sometimes well, don't get lazy, or you're gonna need the redeemed team exactly. to like come and get you. Don't get lazy. Exactly. You can lose to the Argentinians. Yes, you that's can lose to France and Spain. That that's you what I'm saying. Lose to Japan, but yes, don't uh, get yeah. lazy. Like yeah, Argentina might whoop your ass. Croatia will whoop your ass. Yeah, Argentina, uh, uh, Croatia. 
France, Spain, like you said, they might whoop your ass. France, yes. So all I'm saying is like people kind of get it twisted sometimes with geek shows to where you could just kind of go there and go, Iron Man 168, the splash page. Am I right? You guys remember Thundercats? Sick. <laughs> like, fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely can't. Just What's up with Lionel, it. huh? Calling everybody hoes? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get the fuck off the stage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You get people doing that bullshit and you see the difference between somebody with actual, you know, perspective. Well, uh, you've gained a lot of respect over the years. Uh, off of uh YouTube, Aaron Phelps says, I love Ed. I miss him on screen junkies. I also miss screen junkies before fandom. Can't comment on that too much. You know, a lot of my friends lost their jobs too, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> well, I mean, uh, ultimately yeah. building Geekscape why i did it early and why i run it like a cockroach where it's small but it's going to survive the atomic blasts. i never wanted anybody to own my voice i never Dude. wanted anybody to be like here's your platform rip it out from under you and i think that's what's amazing about you guys starting nerd goat is like no matter if screen junkies becomes fandom or this and that or like ooh, the corporate people in charge are like hey let's try this new initiative guys it's gonna be a premium channel and it goes tits up two months later like you still have the roof over your head, even though your house isn't as big as everyone else. Well, it's a, it's a, to use another basketball metaphor to totally confuse all, some of the geeks. Um, it's like it's like going to college that one year. Sometimes you got to do that. You got to go get your name out. You got to dunk. You got to ball on people in the real tournament and really show your ass. And then you can go off and play somewhere else and collect a, a paycheck on your own terms. Or whatever but it's like you show yourself a little bit to get your pub and kind of break mm -hmm. off so i'm always thankful to screen junkies honestly i've saw my, yeah. I've seen my fo following go up so much i'll tell you what being on screen junkies is worth being on tv like three times <laughs> <laughs> and and i and i love those guys and dan merrill if you guys this is your first time watching geekscape dan was uh, a guest a couple episodes ago you can find it on the youtube feed or the uh, or on Facebook or whatever. It definitely, if you guys want to subscribe to the Geekscape podcast, it's in the feed. Dan's awesome, and I'm grateful for the few times that they brought me on there or had me on Terminator Nerds or whatever. You, it's just Terminator Nerds. You guys are so late at night. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, they had me judge it. So it's Mark and Draco and Maggie Mae Fish. And, uh -huh. uh, the last guy, his name is escaping me right now. I'm so mad. Uh, Blake, Blake Schultz. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we were judging the, uh, the, and it was, it got so late. I was just like, I love these comedic performances. I don't know who's funny anymore. Yeah. I don't even know what funny is anymore. Let me get out of it. But honestly, I got to say that night was pretty, it was, it was really strong till the end. I think Colonel Sanders beat Nell or something. <laughs> I remember, I just remember how Rudnick being like, Hey, we got to get you on Terminator of the nerds. Like think, or think about like a character you want. And I was like, yeah, it's fucking Captain Nemo in Dreamland. I'll be asleep. I'm not like I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm not I love you. I love you guys. I love, you know, but I wake up real early. And I well, love that. How do you stay? I mean, I, I obviously don't know how to stay fit because we did meet in a in a Wendy's. And let me tell you guys, Geekscapers, he wasn't eating no trash. He had a Wendy's salad. I think he might have had a, a, a uh, potato. Maybe. Did you have a potato? But, I, but I, I will eat a fast food hamburger. I'll, I'll eat fast food. Um, but uh, but I try and exercise every day. And I do love it. I have an off day every week. Uh, so I try and do six days a week. And 
I've built it up over the years to where I'm like, I get restless, like, especially now, like, Ed, I'm not sleeping with this, with what's going on in the, in our, the country I love right now. Like, I'm not sleeping past 3.30 in the morning, and I'm waiting for the the this curfew to lift at 6 a.m. so that I can go running, and I'm out the door at 6.01. Like, I am on the pavement at 6.01, oh, or, or I'll drive out to the hills, and I'll be running at 6.01. When... The trails were all closed here in the LA. I was going out to Simi Valley, just outside of the LA, you know, county line, and I was running trails in Simi Valley just because it's part of my writing process. It's part of, you know, releasing that serotonin and really getting out there. And I was saying earlier on a podcast that I'll share Geekscape is later on when uh, he releases it. But I said, you know what? Like so much of my healing process from the trauma of my brother being killed and all that stuff, like in developing myself into a, a writer and all that, it all came from running because the only voice you had to contend with was yourself and your choices were faster or slower. <laughs> I don't love it, but the things I get from it, I'm addicted to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, well, what was crazy was I, you know, in my own fat way was trying to get in shape right before all this bullshit went down, maybe like two or three months. I was working on a thing called Superman versus the KKK for screen junkies. We were, <laughs> uh, we were recording in a, um, in a studio on Ventura Boulevard. Sure. And I happen to live roughly seven miles or eight miles from Ventura Boulevard. So I took it upon myself to start just walking home from sessions and this stuff. And, you know, for me, that was quite enough exercise. You know, I was doing some good stuff. And then the shit goes down and they're oh, like, yeah. everybody's poison. You know, it's yeah. and all of a sudden I start, I start uh, uh, hunkering down and eating a bunch of frozen stuff because all the broccoli has space. You know, <laughs> we're not going to be able to go back to the grocery store. We're going to start eating the space food that we kept in the back of the, of the claw of the cupboard. I had a woman yell at me today coming off of a, of a trail. Heidi and I were coming out of a, a trailer in Verdugo that we got up and did. And this woman slid past us. We, you, there was a, a place where the park service had like drawn across the, the trail and she wasn't wearing a mask, but we were. And when she slides past, she goes six feet, <laughs> and I, and I, six feet, social distance, six feet, please. And, and, and I didn't hear her like, you're not wearing a mask. <laughs> Nobody oh, cared who I was until I wore the mask. Dude, I went out. I, I got to say, I, I messed up. I actually have gotten a COVID test, and I came yeah. back negative. Uh, I don't even think I had any antibodies, so I don't think I got it during the And we time. were six feet from her, as Heidi says. We were six feet from her. We were like 10 feet from her. <laughs> we, we weren't when I pushed her over the edge, but we were. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, then she was several hundred feet below. Yeah. She was definitely six feet from me. <laughs> But dude, it's it's crazy. I went out to like uh, the other day, like my laundry's right below my apartment, and I just kind of went out. And two people from the other apartment with masks on were coming up the walkway, and it was like so late at night or so early in the morning. I can't remember which. And I was just felt so ashamed to not have my mask on or whatever. I was like, ah, I'm the asshole. Sorry, guys. I don't I'm care about you guys. I yeah, know. I, I felt because I felt like nobody was going to be out there. I could just zip in and zip out, you know, because it was that that time of morning. But like. I felt like a real shit heel. So like, yeah. My- when was this? Uh, it was like yesterday or the day before. Yeah, but Ed, you're black. They can't say shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> like there's, we, we've moved on from pandemic to <laughs> civil unrest. 
Oh, and you actually you you don't have to wear a mask anymore, Ed. I I still pass as white, so I have to wear the mask. You don't have to wear the mask anymore. You're good. You get you're good. They're like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think well, his cousin got a shot. But how's that for respectability politics, right? <laughs> right. Down around my head, and I'm like, excuse me, I'm sorry, I wasn't courteous to you. You know, so <laughs> if, if there's a metaphor for being uh, uh, being black in America, I think it's that. <laughs> it's just like, oh, but my my fucking house is burning down. You're like that dog. Like this is fine. Oh, is I'll, fine. I'll, yeah, I'll I'll be nice. I'll be quiet. I'll be this. I'll be that. I don't want to get you know super political, but it is funny how how much how much is too much. I think that was the important part of your rant earlier. How much is too much? How much talking about real shit is too much? And for whom? And why is it too much for some of these people? And how much could we get away with trying to educate these people? Maybe we should all take some, 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 I don't know, some Scientology test or something, not Scientology, obviously, but like some sort of test to find out what people's tolerances are. People, we, we, we all know what kind of personality types we are, right? We all know if we're intuitive or inquisitive or or all this type of shit, all these personality types we know from taking all these online services. Maybe we need to come on with an online racism survey so we can find out what people's levels of awareness are and talk to them in a, in a perfect language for their, their bullshit. Well, we obviously, I don't think we can do that. We can barely get people mail out ballots. <laughs> but, but I think, I'll, and I'll be serious with you, Ed, I think the service that you provide and you've provided on this episode, and I hope that I provide in some extent, is that people are going to listen to John Stewart and Trevor Noah more than they're going to listen to their elected officials. And we, ultimately what I said earlier in the show is that the lesson that we're trying to teach, the things that we're trying to say are the conversations we're trying to have are only going to exist to the extent of the most uncomfortable person who bails because it's too much for them. And they're going to go off and continue to be in their own mindset. But if we put comedy in there, if we put entertainment in there, and a couple of references to what might just be in the Snyder Cut come May. <laughs> no, I'm um, if, we, if, we, if we make it digestible and fun for them in some way, like then it's way easier. And just think about that. Like think about the fact that you know people do get their news from the late night talk show hosts, and people do listen to Trevor Noah, if not or more than their elected officials. And I know that I enjoy getting my uh, news from last week, this week, tonight, and things like that because it's just easier for us you know yeah well, but, but also just I, I would say my only addendum to that is we also must be cognizant as a country and as a people there are going to be times when the street preacher can't find the great metaphor for your malady for what's mm -hmm. going on uh, there's going to be times when the rapper can't come up with a fresh punchline or the comedy the comedy person can't come up with a with a great punchline for what's going on there's going to be some times when you're not going to have the bailout of the entertainment value and you still got to listen. That's what the whole point of that shut up and dribble shit that was happening last year. Now it's writ large, right? What you just said, you're right. Some people who are funny or, 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 you know, geeks or, or nerds or people who speak a certain language, a certain patois towards the geek or nerd community or whatever, that's all great and everything. But some of us, like you did earlier, are going to get occasionally real with you. Some of us are going to really use, as you said, our platforms to tell you something real and not give you that escape for a second. And I would just say that, like, it is up to you if you really support artists like yourself or like myself. It is up to you to not just take 
the shucking and jiving as the only thing these people can do when think about. I think a lot of people search for a little bit too much escapism, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I would just really love for us to kind of take responsibility for our own lives and our own communities and our own real interactions with other people, our own prejudices. I have them. I'm not trying to say, oh, even I, I have a bunch of prejudices. Are you kidding me? I see a, I see a white dude in ski clothes. I'm not going to go go think that that dude's going to be my friend. And maybe that's something I need to work on. Because there's a lot of people wearing chartreuse vests and snowboards strapped to their back like katanas that are probably pretty cool people. Probably pretty crunchy. We could, you know, uh, we break up some nugs and, and go in the house. You know what I'm saying? Do, 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 a, do, a, do a half pipe on the half pipe. You know what I mean? And maybe it's time for me to grow up a little bit and have less prejudices. But at the same time, my prejudice and the system of law that I've set up doesn't murder snowboarders. You dig what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but yes, not I, yet. <laughs> well, we can only hope. But I mean, they're I mean? trying to get themselves killed to begin with. <laughs> it's a dangerous sport. But you know what I'm saying? I, I yeah. think it's time for us to kind of try to dismantle a couple of these false equivalencies. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. I love it on Twitter when some black person is irreverent, like these white boys is doing this. They go, oh, not all. And all this language that comes out, it's like, you other have, races are racist too yeah it's just like you i think people know but but it's, it's it's just like that thing of uh that gandhi quote i honestly hate how much that's been bandied around we kind of know things have come out about gandhi that aren't quite great if you're educated you know what i'm talking about but that that and then i think it's actually a mandela quote so i'm gonna fuck that up uh, maybe it's the mandela, yeah, the mandela effect Berenstain Bears, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so, so what I'm saying is that quote about like you're not afraid that you're powerless. You're afraid that your power is like beyond measure or whatever the fuck. That I swear to God applies to white people. You're not afraid that you can't do anything to stop all the civil unrest. You're not afraid that you can't. You're afraid that you can and you won't. Mm-hmm. Ed. Thank you so much. Geekscape is I want you to follow Ed at Ed Greer Destroys. That's on Instagram. That's on Twitter. And for sure, check out the Reboot It uh, YouTube show and podcast over on YouTube. But the podcast is called Nerd Goat. Uh, man, that's awesome. Uh, please subscribe. Uh, Ed, I'm just going to listen for a bit. I love having you on the show, man. Thank you so much. Dude, thank, thank you so much for having me on. This is... Uh... I don't know until I got into a big lather. I don't know if I knew how much I needed this until I got into a big lather. I think it was right around the time we were making the Christmas story references. I was really good. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm, I'm fully in here now. I understand. I'm in the lather, you know, I'm running through the forest. You know what I mean? I felt like really, really locked in. And, and, and it was one of those things where you start to get outside your body and you start to realize that you really needed this. You really mm-hmm. need this opportunity to vent to who are ostensibly supposed to be your people. That'll leave you. That's my last word on it. A lot of us geeks, black geeks, gay, uh, gay geeks, LB, LGBTQ, uh, IA, and so forth, uh, uh, geeks. A lot of us just want to know that, yes, we identify as a geek along with you. We identify with everybody who's down with our tribe of the tribe that we chose. But I would just love for the people who love me so much for being irreverent on Screen Junkies would like love me as a person and be okay with maybe dismantling some things that would hurt me, people like me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like me enough to do that. Don't like me enough to listen to my fucking podcast 
and then say it's okay for me to get murdered in the fucking street. You know what I'm saying? Or keep supporting the system that allows you to be murdered in the street. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, like your, like the geeks, the black geeks, the like I said, all the trans, that the trans black people have been getting murdered all up during this period and then swept under the rug. There's all sorts of people that really, I don't want to be corny, but they really actually need your real, actual support, physical, financial, uh, using your allyship, putting your bodies in, be- in between cops and them. You know, and the instances where you can feel that. You know what I mean? There's so much responsibility to go around. And I'm trying to do my part, Starship Troopers, you know? <laughs> I'm trying to do my part. I would just love for the people who want to identify with me as part of their geek family to identify with me as part of their human family, too. I'd really love that. Well, Geekscapers, you know the rule. Allies to the front. That's what they do when you're at a uh, protest and things start going south. Allies to the front. I mean, if they find out that I'm half Mexican, they might shoot at me, but otherwise they're just going to think I'm a white dude. So I'm going to go to the front uh, and let's use our power uh, and our platforms for good. Because with great power comes great responsibility. We know that one, don't we, geeks? Uh, Ed, thanks for coming on the show. Love you guys. Please subscribe to Nerd Goat. If this is your first Geekscape, subscribe to Geekscape. You can find us on all the podcatchers. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. You might be on there watching the show right now. So thank you guys so much. Ed, love you, man. Uh, for Ed Greer, I'm Jonathan London. Geekscape forever, over and out.